0: Hello, welcome to the Exploring Revelation podcast today. This is a, a podcast that is dedicated to taking a look at the book of Revelation. Of course, my hope is that it will that you'll go on, study these things on your own. My hope and desire is that this podcast would be a, a fodder for a, a forest fire, a future study in, in the book of Revelation. We're not going to exhaust everything in the book. Right, last week, we started in the first three verses of the book of Revelation, and as time allowed, we only got really through verse one. I'm excited to continue that conversation. I think there's some really important things for us to, to grasp in that first few verses that we didn't have time to, to get to last week. Here's the deal, though. I had a few different people ask questions on the last episode and on the episode of Dispensationalism. And the questions are are, are all really centered around a a single issue that I want to deal with this week. And uh, perhaps uh, the the issue is is raised more clearly in a a comment that I received, and not by the the questions that were asked, even though the the questions that were asked really kind of come all back to this, I I think. But here's the comment. And Uh, I hope whoever made this comment is is listening, but here it is. I I listened to your last podcast and your discussion on the phrase, that which must shortly take place. I don't think that this can mean that all of the events in the book of Revelation would happen in their lifetime because the world has gotten progressively worse. In our day, we look at the state of the world and think it's clear that Jesus— or I, I think it's, I look at the state of the world and think it is clear that Jesus will come back soon. Now, I, I don't know much about who made the, the comment, but thanks. I, I really appreciated it. I appreciate it very much because I think it's very representative of how many of us are, are thinking about the world in which we live and, and how that thought about the, the world in which we live uh, is... How our view of, of prophecy is is shaped by that. And I in our view of the world, right, it, the world doesn't seem to be getting better. It is getting worse in a lot of ways, like the, the comment mentioned. Of course, we really don't need to illustrate how bad the world in which we live is. I, I think we need to be careful here, though. We look at history and we really catch a, a sliver. In fact, all of American history is a, a drop in a bucket compared to, to all of, of world history thus far. But our tendency is to look back at the, the 1920s or the 1950s and take note of the things that have changed to, to the worst since then. For for some, it's family values. We've seen in recent years, for instance, the, the agenda of the LGTB. The LGBTQ plus movement come to, to, to fruition, like at, at freeway-like speed. Things that would, uh, wouldn't have been thought of just a few years ago are now uh, becoming a, a reality at lightning pace. Uh, my point is that, that our temptation to look at the world in which we live in now is, is evil. But the further back you go in history... We think times were, were better. I wish we could go back to the, the good old days, right? And we think that, that Christ must be coming back soon because the world is, is going to pot and it is going uh, at speeds that are just too alarming, so it seems. I would suggest that when we look back to the, to the good old days, we're doing so with really rose-colored glasses, there, there might not have been the, the same evil things that there are today, but still the world was, was evil. Our, our country didn't get to where it is today in a, in a vacuum. Um, thoughts and, and actions and, and countries, you know, people have always been corrupt. I, I think it, this is seen in the most famous verse of the Bible. In John three sixteen, I think we tend to to read that verse and forget that the the word world there or cosmos in the in the Greek, and, and we think that every single person makes up of the world. And in fact, we do exercises with children and and adults and and have them put their their names in there for God so loved Colt or little Johnny so much that he sent his only son to die. And and well, that is true. And in one respect, it also misses the the point that the Apostle John is, is making by using the word cosmos here. He's making the point that God's love for the world is displayed and that he would send his son into a world which is so evil in order to redeem it. Just listen to what uh, Don Carson says here. Uh, this is good, I think, concerning John 3.16. He says, God's love is to be admired, not because the world is so big and includes so many people, but because the world is so bad, that that is the customary connotation of cosmos or world. The world is so wicked that John elsewhere forbids Christians to love it or anything in it. And that is in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. The quote continues, there is no connection but, or there's no contradiction between this prohibition and the fact that God does love it. Christians are not to love the world with the selfish love of participation. God loves the world with the selfless, costly love of redemption, end quote. Jesus didn't come into the world in a, a golden age. He didn't come into the world that wasn't all bad, but he came into a world that that Christians were not to love or to love anything in it. I, I think... Our perspective on history is is wrong sometimes. Certainly, we can find good things in the past, things that in the past were better than they are now, but that doesn't mean that we should lose hope, that we ought to throw our hands up, so to speak, and say, what is the point? Things have gone to to hell, and the only hope is that Jesus comes back and gets us out of here. John tells us that, that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world but he came to save it. That's John 3.17. The the world was in need of saving then, just as it is today. And and the problem with many is that they, whether they realize it or not, have have really given up and and think that the the message of Jesus will not make a difference in the long run because the world is is too evil. It's fascinating how Paul spoke of of the world in which the Ephesian Christians found themselves. In Ephesians 2, Paul is Paul says that these believers were once dead in their sin and followed the, the course of the world, following the prince of the, the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Was the world a, a good place? Well, it was ruled by the devil uh, then as it is today. And, and people followed the devil. The, the people who are dead in their sins fit right in with the world. That is how the, the world you know that is how it is with the world, and and those who do not believe, they they fit right in because the the world is ruled by their father, the devil. Jesus makes this point uh, very clearly in in John chapter eight when Jesus speaks of being a slave to sin, and the Jews protest and tell Jesus that they've never been a, a slave to anyone, which is really stupid because Jesus could have turned around and said, well. Aren't you under Roman oppression right now as we speak? But he didn't do that. Jesus goes on to point out that Abraham was not their spiritual father because they didn't follow his footsteps and and believe, but their father was the devil because they do his will and do what he desires. My point is, is simply this, that the world, the cosmos in which we find ourselves is and has been an evil place ruled by the devil and the only redeeming factor is the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is why Jesus came. He came to save the world, a world that is in desperate need of saving. To suggest that the world is it was more redeemable 50 or or 100 or 2,000 years ago is really a denial of the gospel because it suggests that in in some sense, we are capable of redeeming ourselves, even if it's just a a little bit. I, I think that we also really need to have a a realistic understanding of the times in which the scriptures were written. I I think there's a tendency to believe that, that governments and and leaders are getting more and, and more corrupt, that leaders are, are eviler now than they've previously been. Now, Certainly, in the ebb and flow of human history, there have been some rulers that are better than others. Rulers do not progressively get worse and, and worse, but they're worse, and then they're they're better, and then they're worse. But at certain times, there there are better ones. Then there's worse ones, and and better ones again. Right? We see this in the Old Testament: the kings of Israel and Judah, by and large, of all the the rulers were were evil. Some worse than others. But but in Judah you would you would have this leader that issues great reform, but it isn't long until after the the old ways come back when they get a a new leader even the the evilness of the kings right some were more ruthless than others in the new testament pe- period there is the the in the first century during the the ministries of of peter and and paul and, and i would suggest during the, suggest that this is during the time in book the book of revelation was written right you can disagree on the the early date in the book of revelation but my point is going to be exactly the, the same Right? Nero was at the ruler, the ruler during Peter and, and Paul's ministry, uh, later ministry. Nero was the, the leader during the time in which the book of Revelation was was written. So these things are on the, the minds of the, the readers during this time. And In fact, you might know, right, Peter and Paul were, were martyred under the reign of, of Nero. He, he was responsible for their deaths. Nero was described by the, the Christian History Institute as, and I quote, a man with light blue eyes, a thick net, a protruding stomach, and spindly legs. He was a, a crazed and cruel emperor, a, a pleasure-driven man who ruled the world by whim and fear. Now, Nero was, was born in, in 37 AD. This was during the, the reign of Caligula. When Nero was about three years old, his, his father died And Caligula exiled Nero's mother for trying to assassinate him. Uh, Caligula then dies. He was murdered. And then uh, Claudius takes the throne. And now Agrippina, Agrippina, uh, this, right, is Nero's mom who was exiled. Uh, Now she marries him. Uh, She marries Claudius. I mean, it's like a soap opera, right? Of the strangest kind, because not only did she try to have the previous emperor killed, and then she, she marries the, the new, I mean, she was Claudius's niece. Right, this is this is just messed up and weird. But the the plan of Nero's mom was to get Nero to the throne and rule through him. The problem was Claudius's biological son, who was an heir to the throne. So uh, Nero's mom uh, served Claudius a dish of poisoned mushrooms. Perhaps um, she he should have seen that coming, but apparently he didn't, and. Uh, At this time, when he died, when Claudius died, uh, his son was 14. He was too young to take the throne. So Nero took the throne until he was old enough to take the throne. Nero was 17. He assumed the throne. He referred to the dish of mushrooms that poisoned Claudius as the, the food of the gods. Now, of course, Claudius' natural son was still the heir to the throne, but the day came right before his birthday. Uh, he was at a a special banquet of, of celebration of, of taking the throne, and he drank some special wine that was prepared for him, and he died from that. So a little bit of suspiciousness there going on. Uh, We wonder who could have had a hand in that. So anyway, Nero keeps the throne. Now his mom, right, has killed two husbands to get Nero to the position where he was at. She ruled with him, so to speak. She even appeared in in early coins that they, they had with him. But the, the power that she had on him wasn't going to, to last, and Nero was tired of her trying to, to manipulate him and control his decision-making, so uh, she, he had his mom killed. And the, the, really the last straw was her opposition to a, a woman that he was having an affair with. Now, Nero sent his mom on a trip, uh, and on that trip, uh, she was on a boat. He made the boat sink, uh, but she didn't die when the boat sank. She actually swam to shore, and a loyal ex-slave killed her on Nero's orders. So... Nero had two wives. Uh, Both of their lives ended in their murders. One of them, uh, Nero kicked to death while she was pregnant. The reason you ask, well, they had an argument about how much time Nero was spending at the track. Uh, After her death and the death of his second child, right, that was in the the womb, the first one lived just a couple months, uh, he went into a great period of, of mourning, right? Apparently he was sorry for the argument. He was sorry for the, the murder. Uh, he uh, ordered uh, in the, in all of his uh, death here, he, he threw his wife, the state funeral, but he, he just mourned. And he, uh, in this weird mourning he castrated a former slave boy and then married him and, uh, why he would do such a thing well it's because this castrated slave boy resembled his dead wife that he kicked to death while she was pregnant i mean you just can't make this stuff up uh this is um even in spite of all of this the interesting part of this thing is that nero was was so popular in in the early part of his reign uh, he put on public musical performances where he he pr- played the the lyre. He he cut taxes. He attempted to do more that he just couldn't accomplish in the way of uh, helping the the people in the farming community out. That the popularity of Nero was was seen in the fact that after his death there was these impostors that that rose and tried to assume his identity. They thought he was the some people thought he was the, the Antichrist. One almost succeeded in, a, in doing in, a, in starting a civil war because of this. In July of 64 AD, there was a a great fire that started in Rome, and it burned for for six days. People noticed that Nero wasn't there during the fire, and the, the contemporary writers at the time held Nero responsible. Now, of course, Nero would be held responsible uh, because he was the the emperor, people are looking for somebody to blame. We've seen this in our country, right? Um, Trump or whoever your governor is is blamed for all the the COVID deaths, for instance. In uh, and, and and people are are never satisfied with the response to to that. And and letting the the fire here burn for six days is is probably uh, going to bring Nero some some blame. But people always blame leaders for things, even if it's not their fault or. Um, If it's things they have no control over. Now, whether Nero started this fire or not is a matter of debate. But the fact is, he wasn't there as Rome burned and that left a poor taste in the public's mouth. And they started to blame him for it. And in fact, people even said that he was playing as his fiddle while the city burned. Uh, probably not true. Uh, but he was known for playing his, his fiddle and having musical performances. And that's why the people liked him. And then now he's accused of playing the, the fiddle, Will the City Burn? In other words, he didn't care. Nero, though, tried to deflect the attention that he was getting and, and the rumors that were circulating about him starting the fire. So he he blamed Christians, right? And he, he gathered Christians and he, and he killed them. Of course, at this time, Christians were a small group and, and many people were not really familiar with everything about their, their teaching. They, they might have heard some things about them, but they didn't, they didn't know um, all of them. Some might have believed that they were a radical group uh, that, that came off the, the Jews because there was other radical groups that, that came off the Jews. Um, so some people might have believed that, that Christians could do such a thing because they didn't know much about them. But Nero didn't just kill the Christians. He didn't just make a point. He actually made a public spectacle. One historian said that, that mockery of every sort was added to their deaths. They were covered with the skins of animals, torn apart by dogs, nailed to crosses. They were burnt to death and served as nightly illumination for parties when the daylight had expired. I, I can't imagine something more cruel. And, of course, it was at this point that Paul and Peter died. And and then later on, Nero committed suicide, but not after he took advantage of the devastated city and built an elaborate palace with statues of himself at the entrance. I guess my my point in all of this is that the world that we live in now isn't eviler or less evil than it has been. Evil might take different forms. It might not look as as bloody today in in one sense, or at least the the bloody things might be done in in more secret and and covered up. But but there are things that exist today that that didn't 500 years ago. I'm sure that there was a time in which people couldn't comprehend a a woman paying to have their child killed in the womb, that it would be legal and radically supported under the guise of women's health care and considered a fundamental right of people. But... it's at the time for us today, uh, a leader of a nation, we you know, we couldn't imagine a leader of a nation kicking his pregnant wife in the stomach until she died and have garden parties with people dipped in pitch to, to make human torches or to, to be entertained by people as they were torn apart by animals. Um, the, the world is evil. Since, since the fall, it has been, and the only hope of, of the world is the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the one that, that came to deal with the curse of sin once and for all. And, and by the, the way, this is a relatively small group of Christians at the time of Nero who were spreading that exact message in a time of great change. There was increasing hostility to the Christian faith, but yet their message was a message of of hope, hope in the the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not a a new government, not a new emperor, but in in Jesus Christ. And they were willing to to die for this. Their their message was a hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of, of that, because of that hope and that message, that specific message that they had, Paul could say, I consider the, pres- the, the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. What, what are we gonna say to all of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, I know this whole podcast is a little long, little rantish, but I just want to temper this thought that the world is so much evil now than it has ever been. In fact, it is so evil that, that Jesus has to return to save us because Jesus' return is our only hope because what goes along with that kind of thinking is an attitude that believes that there's really no or little point of sharing the gospel because the world is, is so bad. We've already lost. We might as well just give up. That kind of thinking is dangerous, I don't think that's the i don't think that's the the thought of the bible i don't think that's the book of, of revelation i don't think that's what it's talking about at all so well anyway until next time until we continue to to explore the the book of revelation together uh, have a have a great day